Whether they found a new one or simply redefined what they already knew, the New Orleans Saints may have found their identity versus the New England Patriots. We got all of that and a little bit of Lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Big shout out to all the everydayers out there. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow always for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, early access, and much more, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSaints today to become a Locked On Insider and join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media. You can find me at Saints News Network, Tuesdays on the Locked On NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked on NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're taking a look at Foster Moreau's comments on improving, as well as a little bit of a look at the rookies that have had an impact for the New Orleans Saints. We're going to take a look as well at the Saints' use and impact of motion and play action, not as present as you might think, but still effective. But to kick off today's show, did the New Orleans Saints find their identity against the New England Patriots? I think that they found an identity, but I'm going to be honest here. I think that this is the identity that the New Orleans Saints have carried with them kind of all along. So maybe just confirming priors here, maybe just confirming what they already knew about themselves. This New Orleans Saints team is a defensive-led team that can operate on the offensive side with some big playmakers, with a couple of big plays here and there, mostly being calculatory and taking a risk when necessary, is what the New Orleans Saints offense will probably be best at throughout the remainder of this season, but it's all going to start on the same foundation. Defense on one side, run game on the offensive side. I think that that's where you really see a big difference for this Saints team in the games that they've played so far this year. You've seen a very defensive for, uh, forward team, and then now you've seen an offense that struggled to get its run game going throughout the first couple of games, finally really, really consistently got it going against the New England Patriots, and they showed you exactly who they could be with that combination of ingredients. Add in attacking the middle of the field, add in you know, the use of some interesting and intriguing plays here and there, add in protection for the quarterback. And all of a sudden, this is a team that looks like it can win all the games that we expected that they would win this season, even though they opened up losing games that we didn't expect that they would lose, or at least against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in my opinion. So when I look at where the New Orleans Saints are through five weeks, I think that they're further along through five weeks here in 2020 three than they were in 2022. And that makes sense. In 2022, they had a quarterback change. In 2023, they don't. In 2022, they had massive injuries to big-time playmakers, particularly at their wide receiver position. Remember by now, last year, 
Jameis Winston, Michael Thomas, and Jarvis Landry were all already out. And remember that by now, the Saints secondary, which would go on to remain the case, had never taken a single snap together as a starting secondary. We've seen each of those things curve here in 2023. Michael Thomas has been one of the most consistent wide receivers in the NFL, catching at least four passes for 50 yards in every game so far of this season. Has he found the end zone? No. But does that matter? I mean, from an individual, I want to score touchdowns point, yeah, it could, but that doesn't seem to be Michael Thomas's MO right now. Michael Thomas's MO is put me in complicated situations over the middle of the field. Let me show you what I can do. Let me extend a drive. Let me help you win a game. Let me help you put a game to bed. Like that seems to be what Michael Thomas's goal is right now. He wants wins, not necessarily is he most concerned with scoring touchdowns in the process. And I think that's a good thing for New Orleans. We're seeing a lot of selflessness. You want an identity. The identity for this team right now is selflessness. Kendra Miller is catching passes for 30 plus yards, 23 or 33 yards, 35 of which after the catch, he had 59 yards after catch, by the way. Uh, a, a guy that a lot of people ask, you know, would he be able to contribute in the, in the, in the passing game? Well, well, there's your rookie, Kendra Miller, doing it immediately. Kendra Miller catches a pass, runs downfield for 33 yards. What does he do the next play? Sits in the backfield, throws a block for Derek Carr, alleviating some of the pressure. Derek Carr finds Chris Olave in the back of the end zone for Olave's first touchdown of the season. Should have had a second one later on in the year or later on in the game, but Alvin Kamara already said, hey, he owes Alvin Kamara a touchdown. So I look at where the Saints are right now, and I think this is a team that is going to be at its best when all of the players are playing for one another, not for themselves. Not individual statistics, not loading up a stat sheet, anything like that. Derek Carr threw for less than 200 yards in that game against the New England Patriots, and nobody's talking about it. Why? Because it was an efficient 180-something yards, right? Scoring three touchdowns in the red zone, um, you know, two of which in the passing game technically, shovel pass, right, uh, for Foster Moreau. Um, you know, not turning the ball over, not taking, you know, sacks, you know, one... The, you had two sacks in this game, one of which was a missed responsibility. I think there was Adam Prentice. He was lined up on the right side. He, he, he hopped over to the, the, or lined up on the left side, hopped over to the right side at the snap, and then the blitz came clear through, didn't even see it. And then the other one was, you know, trying to make something happen, waiting for something to develop, take a sack on third down, and then, you know, he still ended up kicking the field goal. But are, are we seeing the big egregious errors? We didn't against the New England Patriots. And I know the New England Patriots aren't a good team. I get that. But how do you lose to bad teams? Those egregious errors. That's how teams lose. That's how the you know, Dallas Cowboys lost to the Arizona Cardinals earlier on this season. Like that's a, that's a part of it, is not making those egregious errors. And a way that this team could continue to, make, to not make those egregious errors is to play with selflessness. Sean Payton used to tell this team all the time, not to go all the way back to those days now, but Sean Payton used to tell this team all the time the reason why he always got so frustrated with fumbles was because the, the, the thought process that he would put into every player's, hand, every player's heads is that when the ball is in your hand, you're holding the hopes and dreams of every fan, every Saints fan out there, whether you're at home, whether you're away, when they're back at home, you're holding the hopes and dreams of every single fan when you hold that football. And that is an act and, and, and a mental approach to of selflessness. It's a display of selflessness. I think that that's where this team is at its best. So its identity doesn't have to be that they're this big explosive offense that wins 40 yards downfield or that they're you know, a, a, an old school smash mouth 
you know, we're going to run 40 times an average five yards per carry, you know, kind of a team where, you know, you don't have to be, you know, identity doesn't have to be that you're a, a defensive team that's defined by its pass rush or defined by its secondary. And I think overall, this team have categorized within the game's perspective as a defensive team that can get things done on the offensive side at a, an efficient rate. And when they can do that, then that equals the opportunity for them to win. But the identity, the identity of this team should be, should continue at least to be one of selflessness, go out there and make a play, then go out there and make a play for somebody else. And we're seeing a lot of rookies doing that. We're going to break that down here in a little bit next, because we're far from done here. Uh, what I want to look at is the use and impact of motion and play action in this game. Not volume wise, what you might have expected, but efficiency wise, it was there. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. The Game Time ticketing app is easily the most convenient ticketing app available from my perspective. I use it all the time because I very rarely plan out going to any events. I find out that something's in town you know, the day before or even sometimes the day of. And I think to myself, oh, I'd like to go to that. And I'm not somebody that usually hears about things uh, a week or two in advance, at least not anymore that I'm not in that in, in the entertainment industry. And so I, I love the game time because it allows me to be able to just spontaneously decide, oh, well, let's go to this show. Let's go to this event, whatever. And of course, there's football games, basketball games, everything like that with the Pelican season about to get started with the New Orleans Saints season continuing on like Game time app is awesome. So if you want to check it out, uh, please, please, please go and do. And I'm going to help you out a little bit. Uh, I want you to download the game time app, create an account. And I want you to use the promo code locked on NFL. It's going to get you $20 off of your first purchase, $20 off of your first purchase by downloading the game time app, create an account and use that promo code again, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off of that first purchase. Download the, ga the game time app today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. The New Orleans Saints did use motion. The New Orleans Saints did use play action in this game. But looking at the percentages, not very much different in terms of usage from what we've seen over the course of the past four weeks before then. Uh, so I wanted to take a look at this because I thought it was interesting. I think a lot of us kind of expected to see a lot more motion in this game. We certainly did in the first half, then the game situation kind of changed. So we kind of got used to seeing a lot of motion in the first half. Then when we got in the second half, didn't see as much, we kind of still went, oh, well, they're using a lot of motion. And so I think that like, I wanted to kind of look at this because I wanted to see, did they really tick it up? Did they change anything? Did they not change anything? Um, and if so, if not, why, why not? So that's kind of what we're looking at here. So just looking at the percentages alone, and, and remember, we got to look at the, the raw numbers in addition to the percentages, because there's a clear threshold for success here for the New Orleans Saints so far this season. But percentage-wise, week one, they used 40%, yes, uh, motion on 40% of snaps against the Titans. Uh, they used 28% uh, of their snaps had motion on week two. In week three, 24%. In week four, 28%. In week five, 27%. So not too much different. Now we credited them a lot week one for using motion and they used a lot of motion in that game. Now this is me counting plays that included penalties, plays that 
you know, resulted in sacks, plays that were scrambles, plays that were passes, plays that were runs, all, all these other things. Uh, Locked on Saints insiders, you've seen the numbers already in terms of like how the Saints produced in week five on, on these. Uh, but in looking at this, I think one of the key things that's different is that, okay, a, a 27% margin uh, in week five versus a 24% margin in week three becomes a different conversation when you look at it this way. In week three, they used motion on 24% of their snaps, which was 15 of 63 total snaps, seven of which in the first half, eight of which in the second half. So balance, but not a lot. Whereas in week five, 27%, only 3% higher, still resulted in six more snaps with motion because they ran 10 more plays. So they ran 21 snaps as opposed to 15 with motion in this game. So even though the percentages don't feel drastically different, the number of snaps in which motion is actually incorporated does have a greater or a steeper difference than what you would imagine from the percentages. It's also worth mentioning that while they ran um, eight in the second half in week three and eight in the first half uh, in week, or excuse me, eight in the second half in week uh, five, they did still run 13 snaps with motion in the first half, which is nearly twice as much as they ran it. So a, a near 100% increase from week three. So that's another place where you feel the difference is that it's relative to the raw number uh, from the week before. And then when is the game situation, right? The New Orleans Saints went into halftime with a 24 to zero lead, right? Two touchdowns over on the offensive side uh, in the first half, and they got another touchdown later on. Um, and the Saints didn't get any of those touchdowns on plays with motion incorporated, but the motion diagnosed what this New England Patriots defense was going to be doing disguise-wise and things like that. So it still had an impact even when you use motion. One of the keys to using motion isn't just how does it impact the eye discipline or, or the eyes of defenders when motion is used, but that it trains sort of these defenders to be looking for it to a point to where it could impact them even when you don't use motion. And so it ends up having its value beyond similar looks, things like that, where you can run something or deploy something a little bit differently with or without pre-snap motion. Um, the biggest play that came from uh, motion was the 33-yard catch and run by uh, Kendra Miller. That was a play that, that had motion. Uh, and that was also play action. And the Saints only ran five play action snaps. Uh, in this game, they went three or four for 35 yards, and then there was a scramble that was a part of it uh, as well. So not a very, not a ton of uh, play action involved, but the play action and the motion had an impact on that big catch and run by Kendra Miller. The, the motion diagnosed the defense, so it kind of showed you a little bit about what it is that they were doing. Uh, Derek Carr, he takes the snap, he runs the play action, the linebackers come down, and because they they kind of tighten up because of the impact of the run game and therefore the impact of play action. Kendra Miller is able to eke out. You get the ball to him. The defense is already behind him. He goes out there and picks up a bunch more yards after the catch for you. That is a place where you can see both motion and play action having an impact. Now, impact isn't always positive when it comes to incorporating these things in your offense, especially when you're getting used to it. Dennis Allen talked about this for pre-snap penalties on plays with pre-snap motion. Uh, all four of them false starts. In fact, it was all four false starts. All took place on plays where there was motion present. And that's something to where you saw uh, a false start on the offensive line, but you also saw two false starts against wide receivers. You saw a false start against a tight end. 
this is a part of incorporating motion into your offense is that it does come with a little bit of a risk as well. And it's one that you just have to get used to. It's not a, it's not the type of risk that you can't, you know, curve. It's not the kind of risk that, you know, you're, you're stuck with, you know, what this is and you're going to be battling this forever or, or, or whatever it might be. No, it's, it's nothing like that. It's all, you just got to get used to it, but it does have its negative impacts or, or generate its risk uh, as well. But look, a, a five yard false, false start penalty versus, you know, uh, an efficient offense. I think you'll take that exchange if that's the difference between incorporating motion or not incorporating motion. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, it was all there. It was there for them. And again, the, the, the percentages aren't wildly different by, by any stretch of the imagination. And there were four penalties on those. Like, I, I understand not everything is positive here, but we talked about it, right? Like it could be a 34-0 game. It could be a 44-0 game. It could be a 70-20 to game. There's still going to be things to improve the next week. And these are amongst some of those things. Keep allowing this to be mixed in. Don't be deterred by what didn't work. Lean further into what did. And you can see where this has clear and obvious value for the New Orleans Saints, just like it has clear and obvious value for the other 31 teams across the modern day NFL to incorporate that in these, uh, to incorporate these elements into their game. I think really the most impactful thing that they did this week that they haven't done in the past few weeks is attack the middle of the field and run the football. And, and those things are way more basic. They don't sound as smart as, oh, use motion, use, you know, using motion and using play action. And, you know, it doesn't really take you into like the modern day offense. I, I understand that because I'm somebody that's been talking about them getting into modernity using motion. You, I know I, I get it. I'm going against myself when I say something like this, but I do think that the most valuable thing that they did last week was incorporate attack in the middle of the field and getting going on the ground. Regardless of what the average was, they ran 40 plus times in this game. That was a massive difference for them. So you can continue to do those things without putting anybody at risk, without you know doing anything that's going to upset or overturn your offense. These are not, these are core principles. These are core principles to an NFL offense. Attack the middle of the field, run the football. I think those truly were the most impactful things. But it is interesting to see the impact of motion and play action. We'll continue to track on a week-by-week basis and everything, and I'll continue to bring you the reports and all. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take a look at uh, Foster Moreau and his comments on improving as an organization and sort of walking the line between being encouraged by a shutout and also finding ways to improve. We're also going to highlight contributions from rookies that might be going a little bit unheralded for now. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, but Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and our official sports betting partner here at the Locked on Podcast Network. Well, if you took the New Orleans Saints when they were favored by one point, you were probably very happy by an easy settle of the spread. Maybe one of the most kind of stress-free uh, bets that you've ever had to place uh, in, in, in that time. So I would encourage you, uh, if you haven't checked out FanDuel, to uh, check them out now. And you can do so by jumping on with Locked On as well. So I want you to head over to FanDuel.com slash Locked On. What that's going to do is it's going to give you an opportunity to where you put down $5. You're going to get $200 back in bonus bets win or lose. Doesn't matter. It's guaranteed $200 back in bonus bets for your first $5 bet. It's $200 in bonus bets you can use for spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. Get started with the NFL season underway. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. We're taking a look at Foster Moreau and some of his comments on the team improving, as well as his comment about unselfishness, something that we, we it's kind of a, a selflessness, uh, something that we kind of highlighted back in the first segment. But I want to start off with the, the improvement conversation here because you know, I, I think that it, it can sometimes feel disingenuous when someone like me, you know, sits up here, you know, at a desk in a chair in front of a microphone after doing nothing athletic at all, all day and say, well, you know, uh, a 34 point shutout after, I would say after a 34 point shutout, well, there's still some things to clean up. Um, that can feel very disingenuous and everything. And I understand that. But what I want to share with you here are um, Foster Moreau, Foster Moreau's comments during his excellent post post day or day after presser with us, wherein I asked him about balancing sort of the encouragement of a 34 to zero shutout and still trying to find ways to improve. And I thought he gave a, a spectacular answer. Uh, here were his thoughts. It'd be hard for me to say that I've seen people walk into buildings hungrier after a win than they would compared to a loss. Um, it's, it's the way of the world. It's kind of how we're how we're brought up, how we're taught to learn. Um, it's a matter of managing expectations and understanding that a week five win um, is, funny enough, Mike McDaniel, uh, the coach for the Dolphins, had a great quote when he said, hey, this offense has put up more, uh, more yards in the first five weeks than any other team in NFL history. How do you feel about that? He said, oh, yeah, man. Goal accomplished. You know, that's exactly what we spent our entire offseason. We only wanted to worry about our output through the first five weeks of the season, which is awesome. Good for us. Right. Um, it, it it's supposed to be about getting rhythm and getting momentum, as as we talked about earlier, um, and trying to learn how we could continue to grow and be successful. It honestly, it's the wins and the losses are great, but you're trying to win into the postseason, right? That's, and that'll be what we have to do to be successful, to be playing the type of football that we think that we should be playing. The, the more that I hear Foster speak and the more that I speak with him, it, it's clear that like, if he wants to be a coach at some point in his time, that that is absolutely something that he should consider. He's always been such a blast to talk to and, and, and no exception there. Um, the thing that I love about that is that it kind of highlights the the thing that even the fans are saying right now uh, of after you have a 34 point victory, you hear a lot of people saying, well, yeah, well, they beat a bad team, right? The, the, the New England Patriots aren't a good enough team uh, and everything. Now, it's always interesting to me that nobody points out that they didn't get shut out in any games leading up to this one and that they might not get shut out for the rest of the season. It's not like New England goes out there and lays you know, a goose egg every single game, but that's neither here nor there. But I, I think I do, I do understand the question of Hey, well, they, they they just beat up on a bad team. Like, were the New England Patriots bad or were the New Orleans Saints good? And so the 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 way to prove that the New Orleans Saints have a hand in their victory, which of, of course they do, um, is to go out there and 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 get more. And so you heard Foster there talk about rhythm, consistency, momentum uh, being the things that are most important, right? You can come in, you can have this 34 to 0 victory, and you got to go into next week and try to do it again. Now, you're probably not going to see another 34 to zero victory. You're probably not going to see another shutout for this team this year, although they have had one in each of the last three seasons, uh, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, but 
You might not see another one. You're probably not going to see another one for the rest of the season. You might not see the Saints score 30 points for the rest of the season, but can they win themselves into the postseason? That's going to be the biggest question mark, right? Like, can you string together the momentum? Can you can you show that this wasn't a mirage and that this was improvement? And clearly, Foster Moreau, the New Orleans Saints, that's the way that they're looking at it, that this isn't job done in week five. For them, it's kind of just getting started. And and one of the other things that I love that Foster Moreau pointed out was the unselfish play of a young rookie, Kendra Miller. And it kind of got me to thinking about the other rookies and where we're seeing unselfish play from them as well. We were just talking about the identity of selflessness, right? Um, and to see unselfishness, to see selflessness uh, in young players, rookies in particular, it, it goes a long way for you because it kind of shows you who this team can be in the long run, right? Um, so I want to highlight a couple of those moments. We talked about one earlier, Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller catches this big 35-yard catch and run, um, you know, and then he gets out there. And then as, as Foster describes it, uh, keeps his breath, first of all, and keeps his wits to the point where he can go out there and make an unselfish block as a pass protector in the backfield and open up opportunities for somebody else. Derek Carr connecting with Chris Olave for the touchdown. So you see a selflessness there that is playmaking on one side, but then coming right back around and making the play on the next side. It's like making a steal in transition. You know, it's like making a steal in the NBA and then in transition, throwing the alley-oop for somebody else to look good as opposed to you finishing the play, even if you've got a clear line to the basket, right? Like it's that level of selflessness, you know what I mean? So I want to highlight that on Kendra Miller. I'll highlight the same thing or something similar with Brian Brzee. Brian Brzee, on both sacks that this team got, one of which was the half sack between Tana Passanio and, and Cameron Jordan when they both won on the outside and their one-on-ones, which was a key in the Jackson 5 for us, by the way, was this team winning its one-on-ones. Uh, Carl Granderson, same thing on his sack, won his one-on-one. But why did they, all three of them, get one-on-ones? And why was no one double-teaming Cam Jordan? Well, it's because they were busy double-teaming Brian Brzee. Brian Brzee did not put a single number on the stat sheet this week. Okay. No tackles, no tackles for loss, no sacks, no QB hits, nothing like that. But that doesn't mean he played a bad game because he absolutely did not. He went out there and ate up double teams all day, all day, five games into his career. And he's getting double teamed every play almost all day against the New England Patriots. And what did that do? Created one-on-one situations for guys like Carl Granison, Cam Jordan, Tano Passanio, and others to live in the backfield. Malcolm Roach, getting back there, getting up there, knocking passes down. Uh, uh, Carl Grandison had the sack, yes, but he also had you know, nearly a handful of tackles for loss and all that. Those are all examples of winning one-on-ones. And those one-on-ones happen when players are getting doubled on the interior. And Brian Brzee took a bunch of that. So again, selflessness. And then finally, the other player that I want to highlight, selflessness kind of coming into is Jordan Howden, another rookie. Jordan Howden came in and played what might be his last game this season as a starting safety. We'll see. Um, Marcus May is back officially now. His suspension is over. And of course, he'll step right back into the starting line lineup. Uh, but you've heard now Marcus Robertson, um, Tyron Matthew, Demario Davis, all talk about how Jordan Howden's going to contribute for a long time to this team. And plays like the ones that he made against the New England Patriots are a big part of that. Um, no real downfield completions for New England. Uh, this team, the New England Patriots, never got beyond, what, their own 30 at any point. Uh, never saw the red zone. And a big part of that is that 
guys like Tyree Matthew and safety Jordan Howden, who played a lot of the post responsibilities or the middle of field safety, post player, middle of field safety, um, didn't give up anything back there. Forced Mac Jones to move on, forced Bailey, Bailey Zappi to move on. Those are the types of plays that you have to make as a safety that no one recognizes. Then you come in and you crash down, you see the break, right? He, he, talked, about, he talked about making the read from where he was in the post, reading the number two, reading the number one, seeing where the, the routes are breaking, understanding depth and speed, being able to diagnose concepts, things like that. So he knew where to go and, and, and where that ball was going. And between the release, uh, the pattern, and Mac Jones's eyes, Jordan Howden knew that that pass was coming downfield his way at one point. So what does he do? He crashes down on that receiver, decides to put the shoulder down to try to, you know, to, to affect the receiver as opposed to him being the last line of defense. He tries to make a play on the ball, misses, doesn't make the tackle. That player could be gone. He comes down, he makes a play on the player, shoulder hits the ball, ball pops out or helmet hits the ball, ball pops out, interception for Pete Werner. Pete Werner gets credit for the interception, but Jordan Howden in a play that he wasn't even the primary defender on crashing down and making a selfless play. He could have gone after the ball, instead went to make sure that he at least affected the receiver to where either the receiver was going to be down. Maybe he forced the receiver to drop the ball, but at least nothing else. He got the receiver down and didn't give up the touchdown by not making the play on the ball, not being able to make the play on the ball, and then leaving an open path to the end zone. What does he do? He does that, you know, he chooses a selfless route, makes a play on the receiver, ends up knocking the ball loose which could be best case scenario, but it turns into better case scenario because it ends up landing in the hands of Pete Werner and a heads up play by Pete Werner for his first career interception. So three rookies, three examples over several different versions or varieties of those examples of how they made selfless plays and how selflessness played its way into the team's identity and win in New England. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to start to turn our attention over to the New England Patriots. Usually we do film notes on, excuse me, on the Houston Texans. Usually we do film notes, but really we got a lot of that stuff in today. I'll go through some more. We'll get some film study stuff over for the Locked on Saints insiders. Was anybody do that last week? I apologize. Uh, so we'll get all that going. But um, I think at this point, let's carry the momentum forward. And that's going to be the big focus uh, for this team that will continue to be the big focus for us here as well. So who are the New England, uh, the Houston Texans? What do you need to know about them? And where do the Saints match up well? We're going to break all of that down in tomorrow's Wednesday episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always making me part of your day, part of your routine. Uh, as always as well, I thank you very much to all the everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Thank you for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're momming them. And trust you that nation, I'll holla at you. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.